A rich husband hires a private investigator to watch his wife and then doesn't pay the private investigator. So that PI gets his nuclear revenge against the rich husband because of what he finds in his investigation. Subscribe to Am I the Jerk on YouTube and hit the bell to turn on notifications. All of this was originally in Spanish, but now translated to English. A few things first. I am a security officer with a private investigator certification, which allows me to take private investigator cases as long as it doesn't interfere with local police investigations and any crimes that I witness must be reported to the police ASAP so that they can make an arrest. Private investigator cases come from a few sources. We are sometimes contracted by local police to do what's referred to as spotter work where we are brought on an active wide area investigation to do recon work and look but not interact with anything that might be involved with the case. Basically we are just an extra pair of eyes or the local police will sometimes mix us in a surveillance operation and we would follow low profile individuals and report their day to day activities. These are completely confidential. Then there is client contracts. This is where corporate clients contract our company's personal investigations units to investigate their employees day to day activities while on the job to see if there's some hint that an employee is committing a crime and to report it if there is reasonable proof that an employee is breaking the law on company time. The job is to gather evidence to prove guilt or innocence. These aren't confidential, but we usually sign a non-disclosure agreement. Finally, there is personal contracts. When a person wants to hire a personal investigator to do a job, it's usually something along the lines of a husband or a wife suspects the spouse is cheating on them and wants some kind of proof. Or someone is looking for a relative or lost family member and is trying to reconnect with them. There is no disclosure agreement and it's up to the client to draw up a disclosure agreement. Most people don't, but we keep quiet as a professional courtesy. Now that you understand how the job works, let me tell you what happened. About three years ago, I had been hired to do a personal contract. The client, a rich sleazy snob, was apparently stupid rich. He hired my unit, and when I say my unit, I mean the unit I work from with a five-man team. He believed his wife was cheating on him with other people, and he wanted proof of this so he could start his divorce process with solid evidence. He contracted us in a six-month contract and was to pay the company X amount of dollars upon completion. We set up surveillance cameras all over his large house and in the woman's car with the client's permission. We had at least one of the team tailing her at all times. Good times. Day in, day out, we watched their lives and in this line of work, you either get detached or emotionally invested, like watching a soap opera. As we watched them, we quickly saw this lady was a saint. She volunteered at a soup kitchen and at a children's hospital. She helped with the local churches, canned food drive, all those kind of things. She was the perfect definition of what a good human should be. On the other hand, the husband was a total jerk. He was the only one we caught many times bringing women to his house. Sometimes he would bring two or three girls in one day. And that was only what was recorded in the house. We arrive at the four-month mark, which is basically where we show all the evidence and give the three-fourths report. We show him everything that we found and have a six-hour debrief with video and audio support showing that she hadn't done any wrongdoing other than a speeding ticket and a few double-park situations. After we concluded the debrief, he looked stupefied. He says, So you didn't catch a cheating then? What was the point of me hiring you? My boss, our captain, turns to him with a serious stare, which is perhaps 
perhaps the most intimidating looking face I've ever seen in that man and said, you hired us to investigate your wife. You're unhappy that your wife is an honest and faithful woman? The snob is visibly annoyed. He stands up getting his jacket when my captain says, look, there are still two months on the contract. We will keep tailing her and we'll meet again after our contract is up and give you any updates. The snob turns to him and says, don't bother. This is over. I'm ending it. Come when she's not home and get your equipment out. So a week later, we did exactly that. Now, food for thought. When contracts like this are made, a small portion is paid up front as a commission fee and the rest is paid at the end of the contract's allotted time. In this case, it is six months. Now, pay works like this. The commission is divided up between each private investigator as a bonus to our salary and the salary is what we get from the company to get us through the completion of the contract. The remaining balance after being paid by the clients is then divided into a cut for completion for the private investigators and a cut for the office. It's good money when done right. So fast forward to the next payday after the contract is officially over. My unit gets a call from our office to come in on the next payday as there is an emergency meeting regarding us and the last contract. We get there and we find out the snob pulled the funding and refused to pay us for the work. So we're getting paid, just not with the completion bonus. We all left super pissed. We went to lunch and brainstormed how to get even with this guy. Then we remembered all the house footage of his dirty deeds. At first, we wanted to blackmail him, but that's low and we're better than that. I remembered the wife, so I reached out to her. I set a date to sit down and explain everything to her. I showed her the videos and she cried for a good half an hour. I think I broke her whole world. It was gut-wrenching. I then advised her to get a lawyer and proceeded to give her a copy of all of the collected evidence and my business card. The aftermath. Fast forward about six months, I'm called into court as my company is suing him for fraud, breach of contract, and unpaid dues. My company wins the case easily as his lawyer's argument was that we failed to deliver the result that he wanted. But we weren't hired to deliver a product. We were hired to observe and report. In the end, we got paid. I was contacted as I was leaving the courthouse by the wife who thanked me for all the evidence. She got a divorce. Because of all the evidence I gave her, she got almost everything. His huge house, both cars, and a huge cash sum. The moral of this story is don't try to screw over the people who specialize in gathering evidence and reconnaissance. But there's a little bit more because there was an update in the future. A lot of people asked about the wife. I promised I'd look into it and I did. I got in touch with her and we agreed to meet with her yesterday. She was delighted to hear from me. We met up at a local coffee shop and I got to meet her new husband. And she now has two kids, both girls that are cuties and so well behaved with him. And she's pregnant with the third, confirmed that it's a boy. She's been remarried for almost two years now. After a few coffees and an idle chat, she told me about her own petty revenge story. Now keep in mind, this is what she told me about her petty revenge. So take it with a grain of salt. She told me that the family of Super Snob, her ex-husband, demanded that they get the house back as it's their family ancestral home and offered to buy the house from her almost immediately after the divorce hearing. She had a realtor come and evaluate the house. The family wanted to give her $250,000, but the realtor concluded that the house value was near $1.5 million. The family kept demanding that she sell over the following months. So even though the realtor told her the house was valued at $1.5 million, she told the family that the realtor showed her these documents that said that the house was worth $5 million and that she would be putting it back on the market up for sale soon at that price, $5 million. But she would sell it to them first because they were like family. 
for a big discount of $3.5 million. And they bought the house the next day. So the pleasant evening with her and her new husband ended. And as I'm leaving, the wife smiles at me and grabs the sleeve of my arm. She says, wait, I never got to say this, but I want to tell you, thank you. You are a blessing that rescued me. She then reached into her purse to get her wallet. I think she's going to hand me money or something. And I raise my hand to stop her. She smiles and pulls out my old business card. She said, I tried to call you and your company a year ago to thank you, but the numbers on the card were disconnected. I wanted to know if you could update your contact information for me. I ask her why and she continues smiling and says, because you're the kind of person I like. You were looking out for me when I needed it and I want to keep you in my back pocket just in case. I updated my contact information for her and was invited with my family to their home for dinner on Friday. The icing on the cake as of yesterday is this morning I amazingly got a call from my boss. He was very excited to tell me that we, specifically you, have a new client who has offered you a five-year employment contract. Apparently, the wife's new husband is a magistrate and was able to get this contract approved with the provision that I oversee this as the new captain, which means the unit I will be running will be taking our job assignments directly from the court. So thank you to everyone that suggested that I check up on her. I just went to meet her for a coffee and a chat, and I ended up gaining a high-profile client in the process. So am I the jerk for taking all of my investigation findings and using them against the husband that hired me but didn't end up paying us. There were a lot of layers to this story. I didn't expect more things to happen after he took all of his findings and presented them to the wife. As we said at the beginning, this was originally in Spanish, so I'm assuming this whole thing took place in a Spanish-speaking country and therefore the way the court system and all of that is probably different than it is in other English-speaking countries. But the part that's interesting in the second half of this is when the ex-wife says that the family only wanted to give her 250000 even though the house was valued at $1.5 million. Because at first I thought, why wouldn't they just look up to see how much the house was worth on its own before paying the $3.5 million? But I think that they probably knew that they were overpaying on the house by a lot. I highly doubt they were duped into not checking the price before they paid for the house. But I think they were willing to pay that much over the value of the house because it was more valuable to them. It was their ancestral house. And I think the ex-wife in the situation probably knew how bad they wanted the house. So even without inflating the price to $5 million, she probably still would have got more than the $1.5 million it was worth regardless. Going back to the first part of the story though, I cannot imagine how the husband thought this was going to end well when he didn't pay the people that he hired to do surveillance on not only his wife's life, but on his life as well. What did he think was going to happen? Let me know what your theories are down below and how you would have handled the situation yourself if you were the private investigator. And also, jerk or not a jerk and why? Am I the jerk for making a real life Pokédex of girls at my university? So freshman year of college, I began working on this project casually. I like to keep notes on women I talk to about their favorite things, activities they enjoy, gifts or candies they like, sappy stuff like that. I suck at remembering things like that, so I decided to keep a spreadsheet. Eventually, after getting a handful of entries, I offhandedly mentioned it to my friend group. One had the idea that I share it with them so we could all keep the new entries as they caught different entries. So this expanded further. Right now, about 40 guys have access to it, and it's mainly the guys in my frat and the women featured are girls from different sororities. We also added more information such as like where you should take them if you really want to impress them. We don't keep this information for any nefarious or scumbaggy reasons. It just helps us to know what to do if we want to impress certain girls. Like the original idea of this was just to keep information like favorite color so I didn't ever forget their favorite colors. Now it's helping a lot of guys. Somehow a girl 
who was on the list found out and she was pissed off. She was eventually able to trace it back to me, so I assume someone who was simping for her snitched when the Pokedex wasn't making the girl like him. So she's pissed off and she made it out to be a guide to hooking up with women, when it's most definitely not that. It's just to make impressing them on dates easier. That's it. She made a big deal of this telling so many girls around campus. Now they're all saying that by the start of the fall semester, none of them will be visiting our fraternity or going to our parties. Now all the guys are mad at me when I'm not even the one who told the girls about the list and they were also all using the list. I also think it's unfair to say the list was all about carnal desires when it wasn't at all. I'm not a stalker. There was no information in it that could have been used to hurt someone only to have a better date. And it wasn't about doing the deed. I never used it for doing the deed. So am I the jerk for making a real life Pokedex of girls in my university? I'm not sure how impressed a girl would be that you knew random details or facts about her life. I don't think that's going to make a girl suddenly not like you, start liking you because they know that you know their favorite color or whatever. As someone in the responses said, if I was approached by a guy who knew a bunch of stuff about me, I'd likely be suspicious too. Why? Because why would you want to impress me? Likely because you want to get into my pants. And then of course, calling it a Pokedex, like you got to catch them all, is probably not going to make a girl super stoked to talk to you once she finds out that you were getting her information from this Pokedex. The original poster's theory is that someone was simping for this girl when he snitched and that's why this whole thing fell apart. And he did say that it wasn't for nefarious reasons. He was just using it for the girls he was dating. But yet the guy that gave out this information, the one who he said was simping, probably didn't according to him because it wasn't getting her to like him. So the expectation was that this information would get girls to like them in a way that wouldn't be possible otherwise, which could be considered nefarious depending on how you look at this. But how do you see the situation? Jerk or not a jerk and why? A man harassed me, so I got his retirement benefits taken away. This took place over three years ago, give or take some. I'm a 29-year-old female. I left the military and picked up a contracting job in the same field. While I was starting my new career, I was also leaving an unhappy and hurtful marriage. My ex-husband, who was 29, was a store manager at GameStop. And when asked if he gave military discounts, he would give a military discount and ask if people knew me on base and what I was up to. A man we will call Bubble Base who I think is 35, actually worked for me and the two of them bonded over their mutual hate for women. Bubble Base would refer to me as a trollop and a floozy at work and even went so far as to attempt to get my home address to give to my ex. I reported the incidents through proper channels and had to get a new apartment, but unsurprisingly, the military did nothing to Bubble Base. So I decided to keep my eyes on him and wait until he made another misstep. The next three years working with him was horrible. He would undermine my authority in the section by telling junior people that I was stupid, being intentionally insubordinate and publicly talking about how he was exploiting the foster care system to make money off of the children he was supposed to be taking care of. About a year ago, another girl who was 20 years old came to me and told me that Bubble Base was approaching her in a way that made her uncomfortable. When I pulled up their chat logs, Bubble Base was begging her to do the deed with him even though he was married and she 
was repeatedly telling him that she wasn't interested. I convinced the girl to report Bubble Base despite her hesitation. During the investigation while I was interviewed, I spared no detail about what exactly Bubble Base was doing and saying to include fraud, waste, abuse of government assets and systems. I literally kept a list with dates and times. As things turned out, there were about four other women at our base. Bubble Base was harassing. Bubble Base went to non-judicial punishment this week and lost everything. He has 18 years in the military and was two years away from a full retirement. He lost his clearance. He lost his foster children. He lost his honorable discharge. He is literally starting life over in his 30s with a discharge that shows that he harasses women with no benefits and 18 years of training in a job field that is only relevant if he has a clearance. Am I the jerk for the role that I played in this because of how he treated me three years ago and biding my time until the right moment to strike? It wasn't really the original poster here that had a hand in his downfall. There were four other girls plus the girl who was currently having this issue and the OP herself. So in other words, he had lots of people he did this to. Maybe none of them would have ever spoken up, but from what the OP says, they've all had to deal with him. But in her own personal experience with him, he's going out into the real world and telling people that she is a trollop and a floozy and tried to get her personal information to her ex-husband? That is twisted. There's obviously a lot more to this story in terms of why is a relationship like this, unless the answer is just he's like that with every woman, in which case it was only a matter of time until he lost his job and his clearance. So let me know how you would have handled a situation like this down below and jerk or not a jerk and why. Am I the jerk for not wanting strangers in the background of my wedding pictures? I'm a 24-year-old female and recently I had my wedding on the beach of a beautiful hotel in Cancun. Many of my friends and family could go so I was very happy. The only problem was that during our ceremony there were people on the sea playing or doing jet ski activities. It really bothered me because they would appear in the background so I told my wedding planner about it. She was very understanding and she said she would fix it. When she talked to the owners of the activities and to the people in that area of the sea we expected them to be kind and nice but they just declined and continued. I even took the time to go myself and ask them to stop but they didn't care. I was about to go and tell someone from the hotel but now my husband stopped me and said it would be a jerk thing to do. I told him standing up for myself wasn't a jerk thing to do and I went to look for hotel staff but they said there was nothing that they could do. When I returned my husband was moody and I wonder if it really was a jerk thing to do. Am I the jerk for not wanting strangers in the background of my wedding pictures? You can't control who's going to be on a public beach. As much as you would want people not to be in the background of the photos, all those other people have a right to be there too. But if this was your wedding, how would you handle it? Let me know down below and jerk or not a jerk and why. When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications. To finish listening to all the stories in this series, use the playlist at the top of the description. And next time you live stream, use the cream of the crop music. Search for cream of the stream on Spotify or whatever music platform you use for copyright free music to use for your stream. It's free cream of the stream. Either way, thanks a lot for listening. I'll see you guys next time.